This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Philippians chapter 3. Wonderful passage of scripture we want to look at this morning and, um, and then bring some thoughts about the new year. Making your mark on the new year. Um, by the way, if any of you feel led to move forward, that would be a blessing. Elva's, Elva's lonesome up here. She really would love to have some folks up here with her. But if you don't want to be stubborn, go ahead and sit there. All right, Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to begin reading at verse 7 and read through verse 15. Um, <clears throat> You can remain seated as I read, okay? Paul, writing to the church of Philippi, said this, For what things are gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ, and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which through the faith of Jesus Christ, the righteousness which is of God uh, by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his uh, sufferings, being made comfortable, uh, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though it already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that, if that I may apprehend for that which I also am apprehended of Christ, Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. If you go back again to verse 9 here, actually uh, verse 10. Uh, in verse 10, Paul says that I may know him. But in order to get the full impact of that statement, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection... Let's go back to verse 8 again. Notice what he says here in verse 8. He says, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. But let's stop on that, that title, Lord, there in verse 8. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord. And then drop down to verse 10, he says, everything from that, from Lord through verse 9 is in opposition. And verse 10, he says, that I may know him. You know what Paul's saying here? He's saying everything that I was, everything that I've, I used to count uh, rich, everything that uh, was of value to me, he says, I counted all of that I count all of that now loss. I count it as refuge. Why? 
that I may know him. And that ought to be the goal for this coming year, the year 2022 for all of us, that we may know him and the power of his resurrection. And uh, the other things that Paul mentions here uh, in this passage of scripture. And so I want to challenge you this morning. I've got seven challenges that I want to present to you here in the next um, 30 minutes or so. Seven challenges for us for this coming year, for this new year. Goals are important. They're very important. Uh, they help us to establish a standard of comparison by, by which we can measure progress in our lives. And um, goals should be set in every area of our, uh, every area of our life uh, as, as we go through this earthly walk in the financial area, educational, social, and above everything else in our spiritual life. We ought to be setting some goals in our spiritual life. You know, Peter said to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're going to grow in the Lord, uh, we're going to have to set some goals in our life so we can grow in the Lord. Uh, we have two little precious great-granddaughters. It's interesting to watch their progress. Their mom and dad post a video and pictures on Facebook for us to see from time to time. Um, yesterday they posted a picture of, of one of them walking, hanging on to her daddy, but she was walking. And mom was taking the video saying, good girl, good girl. And uh, so, you know, they've kind of set a little goal for their, their kids uh, those little two little kids are just a year old now, and uh, but you know in our in our spiritual development, we need to set some goals. What were we like last year at this time spiritually? Where were we in our relationship with Jesus Christ this time last year? Where were you spiritually? Has anything transpired during the course of last year, 2021, that caused you to grow? in Christ? Are you stronger in the Lord? Are you walking closer to God now than you were a year ago? You should be. I should be. And uh, there ought to be some progression in our lives. Uh, I know there are, there are steps backwards that we take sometimes. There are, we, uh, there, there are valleys in our walk with the Lord as well as the mountaintops. But you know, if we didn't have any valleys, there wouldn't be any mountaintops. And uh, sometimes we get down in the valley, but, but the, 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 uh, uh, the test of our character is how long we stay in those valleys and get back on the mountaintop in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So goals are very, very important for us. I want to give you four rules here. Uh, for goal settings. These are on the screen, but these are also, uh, these are in your handout as well. Never set a goal so high you can't reach it. You know, sometimes we make, we make these stupid New Year's resolutions. I didn't make any this year. Uh, I don't know if you did or not. Uh, I, I hope they're not stupid. Uh, we make these resolutions in about Four or five years, four or five years, four or five weeks into the year, 
we've already destroyed them. <laughs> I've experienced that, you know. And, uh, but we need never set a goal so high that you can't reach it because the neg negative results of that is discouragement and defeat. Number two, never set a goal so low that it presents no challenge. The negative result of that is apathy and complacency. Number three, always increase your goal once you've accomplished it. The positive result is a new challenge and further growth. And number four, never get defeated if you fall short of reaching your goal. The proper response is to accept temporary setbacks as a new challenge to conquer. And we do have these setbacks, there's no question about that. We, we do that, you know, we're, we're human and we still, we still battle with this flesh all the time, all the time, and, uh, and so it's a real battle. Tony Palmer, in his book, The Psychology of Successful Investing, made this statement. He says, if you aim at nothing, that's exactly what you'll hit. And uh, that's not only good for the financial world, but it's even more important in the Christian life. If we don't aim at anything, that's exactly what we're going to hit. We're not going to hit anything. And so we need to aim, aim high. I must warn you, though, setting goals is a vain exercise if it's not accompanied by the virtue of perseverance. That's an important thing. Perseverance is necessary to achieve any goal. I don't know. Um, I've bought two cars from Roy LaBerge. Boy, wasn't that wonderful today? That was a blessing. That was a great. I told him just before Sunday school started what a, what a tremendous, exciting testimony that is. And uh, they went through some low places in their lives, but they've grown in the Lord. Thank God for that. And now they can give testimony of what God has done in their life. Wonderful. Thank you, uh, Roy and Dolly, for that. And uh, happy anniversary. And, um, but anyway, uh, I'm sure Roy, in, in your business, Roy's a car salesman. I've bought two cars from him. And, uh, and I've been satisfied with uh, the result of that. But I'm sure that um, as, a, as a car salesman, you have goals, don't you? I thought so, you set goals. And if you don't work at, at reaching the goal, it's not gonna, it's not, you're not gonna reach it. And all of us who have set any goals um, understand that principle. And so um, perseverance is necessary in achieving the goal. And the, and, uh, the, the, the moral of Aesop's famous fable of the tortoise and the hare is slow and steady drawing on the ancient Chinese proverb, the former president, our former president, Harry S. Truman, I remember him. He wrote in his memoirs this. He said, being president is like riding a tiger. A man has to keep on riding or be swallowed. And then he went on to explain, a president either is consistently on top of events or if he hesitates, events will soon be on top of him. And that's the way it is in our goal, in our setting of goals in our life. That's, that's, uh, that's true in applying uh, goal setting all the time. I have in my library a book. In fact, my wife gave it to me. 
uh, by William J. Bennett. It's his best-selling book entitled The Book of Virtues. It's a good book. And uh, on page 527, he makes this statement. He said, quote, Perseverance is an essential quality of character in high-level leadership. Uh, much good uh, much good that might have been achieved in the world is lost through hesitation, faltering, waving, wavering, vacillation, or just not sticking with it. And uh, we find ourselves in that problem sometimes. We don't stick with things that we, that we begin. I had a staff member one time that, that uh, was good at making plans. And uh, in fact, um, he, he devised a plan for our Sunday school growth one time and, and initiated and instituted in our Sunday school. But then after a while, it stopped. Uh, it went away. And I said, what happened to what we're doing? He, he said, oh, I, I, I guess I got tired of it and, uh, and just gave it up, you know. And it was working pretty well when it was working, but then all of a sudden it went away. Well, sometimes we fail because we just don't stick with it. We don't stick with it. All of, the, all of us need to make a mark on the new year. And these marks are to be met. If, if these marks are going to be met, we're going to, have to, we're going to have to stick with it or hang in there, we've heard said so many times. Just hang in there. And so our text says, I press toward the mark for the prize. So let me give you some marks for the year 2022. Some, some marks that each one of us should, be, uh, should set. Uh, the number seven is the number of perfection. And uh, if we all accomplish all seven of these goals in the coming year, uh, we should do well. And we should have a more perfect church now, we know there's no church that's perfect. And um, at least we can press toward the mark of perfection. And that's what Paul is dealing with here in our text this morning. Uh, we all know that the church uh, won't be perfect until the rapture takes place. So here's number one, letter uh, Roman numeral number one. A Bible-filled mind. Look again at verse 10, if you will. Paul says, I've counted all the past things, uh, uh, the things of my past up till the time that, uh, of his uh, uh, Damascus Road experience when he came face to face with Jesus Christ and became born again. Um, Paul says, everything up to that point, I counted as refuge, counted as dung. And why do I do that? He says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And um, Paul, Paul said that the righteousness that he had was a righteousness of the law. Um, <clears throat> you see, Paul, Paul went through a litany of things that he been, had been experiencing in his life before he met Jesus Christ on that Damascus road. He was a legalist. He, he, he obeyed the Old Testament law. That's the righteousness he was referring to there, the righteousness of the law. And, um, and he was carrying out the law to, to the nth degree, even to the point where he felt like his persecution of Christians was the plan of God. 
that he was doing God's work. And then he came face to face with Jesus and realized that what he had been doing was his righteousness. It wasn't the righteousness of faith. And so he turned to the righteousness of faith and, and, and took on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that's when he began to know Christ. And that's where we are today. That's what need. And we get that by having a mind that's filled with the Bible. That I may know him. That I may have an intimate knowledge of God. Can you, can you say today that you have a real intimate, intimate knowledge of of God. You know what I think Paul was referring to here? I think he expresses this to the Ephesian church. And if you want to write down these verses, you can look these up later. I was going to look at them with you, but, uh, but time's getting away from us here now. So if you want to write there in the margin of your Bible, right alongside of verse 10, write Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 20, and then look it up a little later. Ephesians 1, verses 17 through 20. And here's some things about how Paul developed the knowledge of God. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 15 tells us, Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That really takes a study. You have to study the word of God in order to do that. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says this, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, notice, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, with the result now that the man of God may be perfect, that is complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You find that... Paul refers to doctrine that, I, uh, that is profitable for doctrine. That is, teach us what's right. It's profitable for reproof to teach us what's not. A number of years ago, read a sermon by Billy Sunday, and in that sermon he gives his estimate of the Bible. And so <clears throat> I'm not sure if I left this in your notes or not, but let me read it to you. This is Billy Sunday's estimate of the Bible. He said, 29 years ago with the Holy Spirit as my guide, I entered at the portico of Genesis, walked down the corridor of the Old Testament art galleries, were pictures of Noah, Abraham, Moses, Joseph, I all. I passed into the music room of the Psalms where the Spirit sweeps the keyboard of nature until it seems that every reed and pipe in God's great organ responds to the harp of David, the sweet singer of Israel. I entered the chamber of Ecclesiastes where the voice of the preachers heard and into the observatory of, of, the, of, of, of Sharon, and the lily of the valley where sweet spices filled and perfumed my life. 
I entered the business office of Proverbs and on into the observatory of the prophets where I saw telescopes of various sizes pointing in far, in far off events. A star which was to rise above the moonlit hills of Judea for our salvation and redemption. I entered the audience room of the King of Kings, catching a vision written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then into the correspondence room with Paul and Peter and James and John's writing their epistles. I stepped into the throne room of Revelation, where tower the glittering peaks, where sits the King of Kings upon the throne of glory, for the healing of nations in his hand, and I cried, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. What an estimate of the Bible. And uh, we ought to get that kind of a knowledge of God. It comes from the word of God. Charles Spurgeon made this statement. He says, the last new book, perhaps the last sentiments, a sentimental story, will win a tent of reading when the divine, mysterious, unutterable deaths of heavenly knowledge are disregarded by us. And alas, my brethren, too many eat the unripe fruits of the vineyards of Satan, and the fruits of the Lord's vines they'll utterly despise. And I'm afraid sometimes that's the way we are. You know, we bask in certain things, but, but sometimes we just don't bask in the right area, the right places. And the Word of God is where we should spend most of our time. So the first challenge that I present before you this morning is this. Press for the mark of reading through the Bible in 2022. Pick up one of those Bible reading schedules that are out there in the foyer and study it to fill your mind with an intimate knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second challenge is this, a Christ-filled home. Letter A under that is, <clears throat> every member of Good News Baptist Church ought to have private daily devotions. Private daily devotions. Do you do that? Do you have a time when you just get alone with the Lord, read the Bible, spend some time in prayer? Um, you know, how, how you program that, uh, arrange that, that that's, that's between you and the Lord. Some people follow the days of praise or the, or the daily bread or something of that nature. It's my practice that I sit at the breakfast table after I eat breakfast and, and read the Bible. And uh, I, I do it that way because uh, I take my blood pressure every morning. And so I sit there for a while after I eat and, uh, and then take my blood pressure and then I go up to my, my office and I spend some time with the Lord in prayer there. And we ought to have those kinds of times. Jesus said this. He said in the morning, in the morning rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and prayed. Daniel's practice was this. It's found in Daniel's chapter 6, verse 10. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God. And then David said, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. That's in Psalm 55 and verse 7. I've got a hair hanging off the corner of my eye or something, my eyebrow that's just driving me crazy, so pardon me while I do a little, little maintenance work here. You ever do that? Try to read and there's a hair hanging right in front of your eye. I think I got it, but I'm not sure. 
Letter B. Every Christian home ought to have a daily family altar time. How about that? Joshua took the leadership in his home for worship. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve, but for, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In the book of Deut Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, we find the Shema. This is on the screen. It's also, I think, in your notes. We find the Shema. The Shema is Israel's confession of faith. The Jews know this, and they, they follow this as their confession of faith. It's kind of interesting that even unconverted Jews, uh, they, can, they consider this their confession of faith. But if they really knew, if they would really understand that this is actually leading to Jesus Christ, that's what they need to, that's what they need to understand about this. But let's read it. Um, o Israel, the Lord our God is one God, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt, walk, uh, shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and of, and, uh, of thy gates. And uh, shall teach them, talk of them, bind them as a sign on your hand, and write them, and write them, and write them. In 1973, um, I was at the Bill Rice Ranch with some of our kids from our church when I was pastoring in Indianapolis. And uh, I, got a, uh, I got a phone call from, from Jan. And, uh, and she was weeping. I said, dear, what's wrong? She said, nothing's wrong. Cheryl just got saved. That's our daughter. Cheryl was five years old at the time, but you know why she got saved? Jan had just had devotions with the kids. Uh, normally, if I was home, I would have been in on that. Uh, we had family altar. And as a result of our family altar, Cheryl, she went to bed, and uh, Jan was sitting in the living room, and Cheryl got out of bed, five years old, came into the living room where Jan was, and she said, Mommy, I need to get saved. And that was something that God spoke to her heart about in family devotions that night. She got saved. You know, about a year later, Jeff, our son, was four years old, and he got saved the same way through our family altar. And it's so important to have that kind of a relationship. So let me give you the second challenge. Press for the mark of maintaining and, or reinstating or beginning for the first time a daily family altar time in your home. Number three, Roman numeral number three, a spirit-filled life. In Galatians chapter five, verse 16, and then verse 25 says this, this I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, verse 25. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. What's that mean, to walk in the spirit? to live in the Spirit, what does it mean? Vance Havner made this statement. 
is as much of our Christian life, or much of our Christianity today, is like the feast at Canaan. We have a feast of we have a feast of good things, and then uh, there there is plenty of teaching and preaching. Churches and conferences uh, spread tables loaded with superabundance, but we have no wine. The acceleration of the spirit is lacking. And I think a lot of times the things that we do as Christians, uh, it's got a lot of excitement, a lot of program going on, uh, a lot of entertainment perhaps in some cases, but very little of the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit of God behind it. We need to walk in the Spirit. Dwight L. Moody once illustrated to his congregation how to be victoriously Spirit-filled, a Spirit-filled Christian. He held up an empty glass, drinking glass, and he said this. He says, tell me, how can I get the air out of this glass? It was empty. And one of the men said, well, suck it out with a pump. And Moody replied, uh, well, that would create a vacuum and shatter the glass. And after many other impossible suggestions, Moody, Moody smiled. He picked up a pitcher of water and he filled the glass and he said this. There, he said, all the air has been removed. And he went on to show that the victory in the Christian's life is not by sucking out one sin here and another there, but by being filled with the refreshing, reviving water of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need, folks. We need a refreshing reviving of the Spirit of God in our lives to walk in the Spirit. So here's our challenge. Set a goal to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh in 2022. Number four, a missions-filled heart. A missions-filled heart. The Great Commission is still the mission of the church. And we have one of the greatest opportunities at all time to be, to be on the receiving end of the outpouring of God's blessing. I believe this with all my heart, folks. I believe that God has, has always blessed the people who have a heart for missions in general and missionaries specifically. And uh, I'm, I'm confident that one of the reasons that God has blessed our church so much is the fact that as a church, we, 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 we love the Great Commission. And we, are, we have a sincere compassion for those missionaries that are pictured around the, our, the walls of our sanctuary here. I'm convinced with all my heart that's one of the reasons why God's blessing has been on this ministry is because we love missions. We support missions. And we have, a, as a church, have a missions heart. The first week in October is our missions conference. It is every year. And I trust that you will plan to pray for it, plan for it, prepare for it, and prepare to participate in our faith promise missions giving. Uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then unto the uttermost part 
of the earth. So here's the challenge. Make it a personal goal by God's help to increase your faith promise in 2022 or get involved in missions giving through our Faith Promise Missionaries Program in 2022. In fact, if you're not involved in it now, you can be now uh, by giving, by reaching out to missionaries, by, by getting involved in the missionary program of Good News Baptist Church, by being missions-minded, missions-hearted. And that brings us to number five, a people-filled church. Um, Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, you've heard this verse preached on a number of times. But there are some things that are important about this church. So letter A, why is your church attendance important? Number one, let me suggest this. The assembly of the local church is the only means instituted by the Lord to provide a mutual gathering place of believers. The golf course is not a church. School is not a church. When I was in college, in a Christian college at Bob Jones University, we had chapel every day. Uh, every day but Saturday. And uh, we were in classrooms where the scriptures were taught and uh, we were just in a real godly atmosphere all the time. And you know, some people would, some people would consider that to be, well, I've had enough church for the week. Uh-uh. You know, a school is not a church. That's not the institution that God has prescribed for God's people to gather together for the purpose of encouraging each other. As a matter of fact, number two, the assembly of the local church is the only means instituted by the Lord to provoke personal encouragement to, um, to, provoke personal encouragement to love and good works. You know why we gather like this? It's to provoke each other. Now, I'm not talking about provoking each other in, a, in an ungodly fashion. I'm talking about to provoke each other to spiritual heights. That's why God made the church and has his body to gather together. To encourage each other, to, to love the Lord and live for God. That's one of the purposes of the church. And then number three, the assembly of the local church is the only means instituted by the Lord to promote uh, to promote uh, ex uh, exhortation to spiritual growth. I think we've already covered that. And letter B, why is your church attendance so urgent? Because in this verse we found out that we're in the last days. You know, Satan, this is number one under B, Satan knows Jesus is coming soon. Uh, we're told that in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 12 says, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, and to the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth he hath but a short time. You know why we're seeing what we're, what we're seeing in America today and around the world? The devil knows that he's fighting against the clock. I believe the coming of the Lord's very near. And then number two, uh, he has ca he's, he's caused confusion and apathy 
among Christian people. And uh, so the challenge is this. Beat the devil at his game. Press toward the mark of consistent, regular church attendance in 2022. Make it a priority. Don't let anyone or anything keep you out of God's house in this new year. I've got to, I've got to wrap this up here because I've got some things to, that I really want to share with you this morning. But number six, and I'm going to do this quickly. A tithe-filled offering plate. Now, this is all in your notes. I'm just going to let you read it, okay? A tithe-filled offering plate. And the challenge is this. Set a mark in your Christian life to be an honest Christian. Don't rob God in 2022 of what belongs to Him. Continue to be a, a consistent tither. Or if you don't tithe, begin now. Get in on the blessings of God. And then number seven, a soul, fill, a soul filled with compassion. And I quote for you, or read for you Jude 22 and 23. It's only one chapter in the book of Jude, verses 22 and 23. And to some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. I hope these seven challenges will, uh, will, will help you. Uh, so the final challenge then is, let's make the year 2022 the year of soul winning and make soul winning a priority goal in this coming year. And then, uh, and then you can read the conclusion. It's all there in your notes. So I trust that you will take the time for, for reading it. Our Father, we thank you so much for uh, this new year and the challenges that lay before us in this coming year. I pray, God, that you will help us to accept the challenges. I pray, Father, that you will help us with each one of these goals. May they be our personal goals. May they just not be something that the teacher has suggested. But I pray, God, that they'll become, they will become convictions of ours. For we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.